Hey, uh, you're here with Luke uh, Emery from Cedar Mill Bible Church, and we have a guest with us. He came last night. He spoke on God and sexuality, if you had an opportunity to come. Uh, just really grateful for what he did in our youth program, and uh, just big thanks to all the parents that came out. Uh, if you want to say, hey, Josh, you're here with me. Yeah, I'm Josh Branham. I'm the lead pastor of Hill City Church in Boise, Idaho. Uh, I knew Nick and Luke from the college days when they were at Boise Bible College. And yeah, just excited to have the opportunity to share last night and uh, felt like God moved in some really cool ways in students' lives. But there was just a few um, follow-up questions that uh, as I was chatting with Luke and Nick this morning that they thought, man, it'd be great if we could just have another discussion more. And this is more of a sit down at a coffee shop discussion, right? Yeah, if you hear like some background noises, um, some dishes and stuff, doors opening, we're down here at Good Coffee, and um, yeah, just thought it'd be beneficial for our community for us just to sit down and talk about a couple of these things uh, that were maybe mentioned in the talk last night, but maybe didn't have uh, the full attention we wanted. We just figured it could be kind of an off-the-books recording, so uh, thanks for tuning in. Um, one of the things that we, that we had mentioned uh, is is that students may have decided last night they wanted to take some steps in regards to uh, running away from se sexual impurity or sexual immorality. And um, you may be wondering, what are those steps that I could, could be taking? Maybe you feel called to make a change. You just don't know what that would be. Uh, Josh mentioned some cool things that his students had done in the past. Um, do you want to share some of those, Josh? Yeah. So I think... Uh, a really big deal is just having accountability in your life, pure accountability. And so, uh, you know, I, I not only was a youth pastor for years, but was a small group leader for the same group of guys. We moved up with them every single year as leaders. And so from sixth grade all the way to 12th grade. And uh, what those each of those students needed as they got older changed from grade to grade and, and different phases of life. And one of the big things that I found uh, that our students had a lot of success with victory in the area of sexual integrity or purity was just being able to have open dialogue with their friends at youth group about this because what they're hearing from their friends at school is very different. And so uh, we even you know, got to the point eventually where uh, we had talked about it enough times as a youth group and, and students knew that we were safe people to have those discussions with where you know, there were students who would be in a group text message daily uh, and they would send a smiley face at the end of the day. Each of them would send a smiley face as if to say, I went the whole day without, you know, whatever their struggle was, without looking at pornography, without, you know, messing up in my purity or even in my, my relationship with my girlfriend and that sort of thing. Or they would send a, sometimes a frowny face or sometimes it would even be a skull. They would send like a skull and crossbones to remind them that, you know, that, that those things lead to death, they lead to destruction. And so that's just a really practical tip is uh, to rely on one another as peers in those ways. And then for leaders in, who are leading those small groups to be able to create that kind of open conversation. Um, because the reality is when these students graduate and they go to college or they're living on their own, uh, those are going to be the things. It's not, you know, it's, it's helpful to have parents setting boundaries and parents helping their students. But really, when you're sitting in a, your mom's not going to be there in your college dorm room with you. Mm -hmm. And those, that's what you're training your students to be able to do, to actually follow Jesus in their lives, in their sexuality, when they 
when they go to college, when they live the rest of their lives. Mm. And so it's helping them take ownership. And so mm. having those having that kind of open line of discussion, it got to the point where we would even weekly in our small group, every single Wednesday night, we would just celebrate and have times where we would say, okay, who made it all week, smiley faces all week this week? Mm. And then, you know, three or four guys would raise their hand and we would clap for them and celebrate them. And so that became these little milestones where it's, okay, I can make it, I can make it through all day today with integrity, with sexual mm. integrity. I can make it through all week this week with integrity. Mm. And I got to the point where there would be people or there would be guys in our group who had struggled day after day after day who all of a sudden they're saying, I've gone six months mm. being free from pornography. Mm. And that's something that when it's this hidden, shameful, I can't talk about it, you know, type mm. thing, those are the people you see in recovery groups mm. 10 years, 15 years down the road who are just trying to, you know, rewire their whole brains as opposed to from the time they were sixth graders, we were already talking about this. Ninth graders were doing more, you know, accountability and that sort of thing. So those are just some of the practical things that we did that really, really, I, I think, helped our students. Yeah, one thing we, we had talked about is just the idea of when you're in a community group or your, your small group, your life group at youth, um, it's easy to think that maybe you're alone or there can be some stigma around uh, around these kinds of these these kinds of things that um, well I, I grew up here at the church and a lot of us were were born here we've been coming a long time maybe we don't struggle with these things maybe I'm all alone uh, I was just realizing uh, last night anytime you get a group of people together and we all have these these kinds of things going on and so being able to partner with each other isn't just like it, actually James talks about it mm -hmm. it says that that you, when you confess your sins to one another, mm. there's healing in that. And so uh, I think that that's a huge thing as you guys, maybe if you're a student listening to be able to, to open up actually can be healing for you, but it also can be healing for the people around you when they realize that they're not alone. Um, another thing that maybe you're wondering about dating, what are some steps we can have? What are some boundaries that we can set up? I know that uh, that for some some students, their parents have said, we don't want you to date while you're in high school at all. And so you mentioned that in your talk last night, but maybe your parents do say it's okay to date and those kinds of things. Um, something that we mentioned with in our conversation with Nick this morning is is just that if you, if you have decided with your parents that dating's okay, what boundaries are you gonna put in place? Mm. Because it can be easy if you haven't set those guidelines up ahead of time that in the moment you think, oh, I can handle this, and then right. suddenly it heads down some wrong paths. Um, so yeah, I mean, those are just a couple things we had chatted about. Uh, one of the things that uh, I'm going kind of kind of off on a trail, in that rabbit trail right now. It's not on our notes here, but something that you said that we mentioned in our parent meeting mm. is just the the chemical part of all of this. Mm. Um, you mentioned it in your talk too, but then we talked in more in depth. Right. Uh, if you're a student and you're wondering about the effects, maybe you're not even sure about about Jesus and and sexuality. There is. Uh, even secular websites that talk about the impact it has on you. Mm. Um, and so maybe even important for you to put up those boundaries too. Mm. There's uh, something that we mentioned to the, in, our, in our parent meeting, the, the question response time was just um, fight the new drug. Mm. And there's uh, even, 
even pretty famous people that are a part of that, like Terry Crews, and I know some others, just saying that 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 that, that what happens online and pornography and things like that have an impact on society, on your heart. It has an impact on your mind, mm. and so those are just some things to consider. Maybe you're a student, you're wondering, you think maybe it's not a big deal. You can look that up and, yeah. and begin to set those in place. So. Yeah, I think you know a big question. Sometimes something people can be confused about is, you know, not swinging that pendulum into the realm of fear when it comes to sexuality or dating, and you know the question, the automatic question is, okay, if the, if if there's so much power, again, it's important to say, sexuality is powerful, not necessarily just dangerous, because power can be used for good or evil, and so it's powerful. There's so much power behind this. It, should I just not date at all? Or, you know, so what are you saying? That I should never go on a date? Or, you know, and we can get those kind of questions. And really, the, I'd say the answer to that is, why, what's the purpose behind you dating this person? Or why do you need to date this person? And if, um, if you don't have a good reason for that, I mean, it sounds like there's a banshee in the background, but I think it's, uh, there's some power tools in the other room. Um, but I think... Uh, one of the things is just what's your purpose and is it I just want to get to know this person well could you get to know that person without being alone in the basement with them Um, and you know those are just some of the questions I would think about when it when it comes down to boundaries with dating is could you have those boundaries about we're never going to be alone uh, or if we are alone we're in a public place alone so we're alone together but we're in a coffee shop alone we're not by ourselves in a locked room together Mm. and for me I would always tell my students, there's no reason that you'd ever need to be mm. alone, alone, behind a closed door with the person that you're dating, mm. um, because that's just a recipe for sexual immorality, for, mm. for breaking those boundaries. That uh, it's, it's one step closer to that blender analogy, one mm. step closer to getting damaged and hurt, I think, as well. Yeah, respecting boundaries that your parents have. If, if you're unclear about what the boundaries your parents would have for you, ask them. Mm. Put the ball in their court and just say, hey, do you guys have an age or do you have like things you don't want me to do or do when I'm on dates with girls or boys or, you know, and just like kind of asking them and, and really looking, seeking wisdom, seeking counsel uh, and they'll step up to the plate and have a conversation in those moments. Uh, I think as well, just, you know, with dating is uh, one of the things is anything you do with your girlfriend or your boyfriend, if you don't marry that person, is something you did with, without your husband or wife one day. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just, it's just real. Um, uh, you, you could ask any person who has just a healthy marriage and just say, hey, were you glad that you, you know, mm-hmm. if you did things with people before you were married, were you glad you did those things? Mm-hmm. Or do you regret those things? Mm-hmm. And I don't know a single person who is like, I'm so glad that I Mm. gave this gave my first kiss to someone who wasn't my wife or husband or I'm so glad the first person I made out with was someone I wasn't married to and mm. I, I even think a good rule of thumb is if you're not married to that person yet then it's someone who's not your husband or not mm. your wife and think about you know like think about your dad or your mom if they're if, if your parents are married would you be okay with your dad doing that with another woman mm. who's not your mom mm. would you be okay with your mom doing that with another man who's not your your dad mm. and those are some of the boundaries and some of the, it's, it's really just the wisdom and asking yourself, what's the purpose behind dating? Again, it's not the how far can we go, but it's how can we do this with wisdom? 
but again, the Bible doesn't talk about dating. Mm-hmm. We live in a culture of dating, and the, the world of the Bible wasn't a dating culture. It was a betrothal culture, so you had arranged marriages and that sort of thing. And so for us, I, don't, I wouldn't draw a hard line and say mm-hmm. no Christian should ever date because I dated my wife, and we're married, and we have a daughter, and it's great, you know. Um, but I think it's it's how do you it's not should I or shouldn't I it's how do you date and how do you date using biblical wisdom. So those are just some of the helpful boundaries that I that I found um, in my life and helping students as well. Well, and that's just I think as you were saying that I started realizing that's just not just good wisdom for students, not just good wisdom for teens, but good wisdoms for for anyone yeah. who finds themselves dating. I uh, when I was in college. Me and Danica had to set up boundaries, and it was a conversation we had to have when we first started dating, um, because it's hard when you're, it's hard to have that conversation down the road when you haven't kind of like already thought about it. Right. And uh, even for us, something that we wouldn't, that I wouldn't place on other people, but we had decided for us it was wise even to not kiss until we were engaged, mm-hmm. uh, and that's something that you may have freedom in Christ to, um, you may have freedom in Christ to make some certain decisions, but it's wise for you to decide yeah. uh, for yourself what those boundaries are, what those guardrails are mm-hmm. for safety. So, yeah. um, one other topic that we had, that we had talked about kind of off the, off the books that I thought, man, this would be just beneficial for our students, mm. for, for parents, for really anyone to hear. It's just, we talk a lot about sexuality, but we don't talk about, uh, what that means for, 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 or the benefits of sexuality, but we don't talk about what that means for someone who's decided to remain single their whole life. Yeah. And uh, you said something I thought was really profound, and that's just that Jesus was single, and Jesus lived the fullest human life, living out the, the best vision for the good life than mm-hmm. anyone ever. And you have guys like Paul, who is who was doing was talking about singleness. Um, so I was wondering if you'd be willing to speak a little bit to that as well. Yeah, I think there's sometimes a lot of, if you build an entire house of cards on the argument, okay, you need to wait, abstinence, you need to wait, you need to save all the stuff, save all the stuff, so that you can be married, and because sex is the best thing in the world, and marriage is the best thing in the world, and that's the only reason, well then if someone's single, then it kind of destroys that whole house of cards, if it's all built on the argument of, it's really still self-serving and self-fulfilling, and the art, you know, it's still all wrapped up around your own desires and gratifying your own desires still. And yeah, the good life, the life we believe that Jesus is the ultimate human, that he, the life he lived is the best version of life, and he gives us the best example, and his life did not involve sexual activity. Uh, in fact, Jesus in Matthew 22, is getting challenged by the Sadducees and they don't believe in the resurrection so they've come up with this hypothetical scenario to trick him about this woman who has all these husbands and it's a sad story like each husband dies and she marries the next one marries the next one and their question is so who is she married to in the resurrection if the resurrection is even real is, mm-hmm. is there, that's the hidden question behind their question and Jesus says you guys are missing the point don't you know that in heaven we will be like angels, people will be like angels. Not that we will be angels, not that we grow wings or you know, any of that sort of stuff. We will be like angels and that we will neither be married or be given in marriage. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of different interpretations around what exactly that means. And Jesus's point isn't even really to talk about will you be married in heaven or not, but what he seems to be alluding to is the fact that sex will not be a part of our eternal life in heaven. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and it's a good gift. It's something good that God created. But we won't need to go forth and multiply in mm-hmm. heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's something that we have now in this present age that we live in. And so it's one of those parts of the human experience and human life that's good and it's fulfilling. It's also messy and complicated and, and tough and it, it's mixed up in our identity. And it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a mixed bag, right? Mm-hmm. And at the same time, that we can experience the fullest life in Christ, not the fullest life as a husband or wife. Mm-hmm. Um, and even in a marriage, you will become one with the other person. Um, but at the same time, it, your first love is meant to be to Jesus. It's meant to be Christ. And so, you know, for us, that you can you can be a full person, you can have the full human experience, even if you never experience um, physical intimacy in that way. And so, uh, I remember having a mentor in college before I got married. Was talking to him. I was engaged actually to my wife, and I was just asking him, just having an open dialogue about like sexuality and you know when you're married what you know what role does that play in a marriage and I remember him thinking you know when before I was married this is a guy who's 30 years older than me when I before I was married I thought that's the whole cake it's the whole you know the whole deal and it's the main part of a marriage he said and even in a marriage what I found and he this is the guy who I would say he has the best marriage out of anyone I know one of, one of our professors Danny Harry he said, what I found, it's, it's actually just the cherry on top. Mm. Is it's not the whole foundation. That, mm. And everything you see on sitcoms mm. is the relationship, is the sexual relationship. And maybe they have a good, you know, dating, you know, dynamic. Or maybe they do have good personalities that manage or they do activities. But really, the compatibility of, you know, in the bedroom, that's what you're looking for. Mm. Every sitcom, you know, mm. the foundation of those relationships is their sexuality. Um, and I, I think that gave me a lot of comfort and a lot of peace, knowing that even within a marriage, mm. it's not meant to be the, f- it's not the pinnacle. It's not, mm. it's, it's not the entire cake. Mm. It's just the cherry on top. Mm. And it's a good thing. Uh, and I don't want to sell that short for any, for any mm-hmm. one, but it's also not, it's not the whole thing. And so I have great friends who believe that God has called them to be single in their lives and they are extremely fulfilled in their life in Christ. Mm. And I would hate for us you know, as I raise my daughter, that means the, the, the way that I talk to her about her future mm. isn't when you get married and when you have kids and mm. putting these expectations that that has to happen. But if God calls you to get married or mm. if God sends someone to you and, and mm. provides children or all those mm. sorts of things, um, that the end goal of my daughter's life is not that she can get a wedding dress mm. and get married. Mm. The end goal of her life is that she is a daughter of Jesus, a daughter of the King, mm. and that she has eternal life in Him. Mm. And that's the goal and the vision that mm. my wife and I want to raise her towards, not so that you can provide grandchildren for us, which unfortunately, that's so much of what our families have put on us and so mm. much of what the church has really put on people as mm. well. Yeah, I think um, one thing even is that singleness can be a gift. Mm. Uh, that you, when you're single, you have more time than, I mean, like more free hours in the day than someone right. who is married. Paul talks about mm. if you are married, then you have to concern yourself with family. And so I think personally for me, the question I had to ask myself when I was in high school, mm. I was really, really just blessed to have uh, the idea that singleness was an option for me. I don't, I don't remember where I got that idea, mm. but I kind of weighed the two, and I remember asking a mentor, do you think that marrying Danica is the wisest thing? And he said, 
I, I actually see your ministry increasing significantly when you marry her. I think she makes you better. I think mm. she makes you more Christ-like. So for me, it was, I actually do think that this is greater impact for the kingdom. But there may be some people that ask themselves that question. They, they recognize mm. my impact could be leveraged uniquely and powerfully in singleness. Mm. And so really, I think what Paul's getting at is, can you glorify Christ more married or glorify him more single? Yeah. And if you can glorify him more married, you should get married. If you can glorify him more single, you should be single. Yeah, and that's, you know, that whole art, that whole um, thought comes from 1 Corinthians 7. The very next chapter, it's not really separated from, you know, we, last night we used 1 Corinthians 6, 18 through 20. And 1 Corinthians 7 is a continuation on, on his discussion of sexuality. And yet, you know, we should be asking ourselves what's going to glorify Christ more. And yet, he also just gives permission to say, listen, if you're burning with passion and burning with desire when it comes to, you know, fulfilling those sexual desires you have because you're human, yeah, get married, you know? Like, it's, it's but rather than going to sin, and for us, we would say rather than trying to fulfill those yourself mm-hmm. with pornography or mm-hmm. promiscuity outside of marriage, he's like, if you're a passionate person in those ways, mm-hmm. then you should seek to fulfill those in a godly way. Right, as opposed to just trying to deny or repress, you know, the, the Christian um, community gets a lot of flack from people outside the church of saying you guys want to, rep- you're, you think sex is evil and you need to be afraid of it, and you're telling people to repress their feelings, and we don't believe that at all. In fact, we would say those those are human feelings that you're created with. Last night I said a line. Um, and I'll say it again, it's just Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6.18, flee from sexual immorality, not flee from sexuality. Mm-hmm. That humans are sexual beings. And mm-hmm. if you have those desires, those strong desires, then it's likely God hasn't called you to be single because you know, he's calling you to have those fulfilled in his mm-hmm. instructions, mm-hmm. following his instructions and using that his way. So mm-hmm. I would just encourage people with that because sometimes there might be a big question mark of, what does this look like? Should I, shouldn't I? And it's like, what Paul is basically saying is, well, what, what do you picture for your life? And it, can you do that in a godly way? Can you be single in a godly way? Can you be married in a godly way? So, mm-hmm. Yeah, and then I guess kind of just to close, um, something that, that we had talked about in this whole conversation of God and sexual identity, mm-hmm. sexual formation, sexual sin and temptation, the whole idea of... Um, is of of gender identity, uh, of um, the idea of sexual identity, gender identity, are kind of two different things. And then there's, I mean, the what, the conversation we had last night mm-hmm. was about um, sexual fleeing from sexual immorality. And so uh, those are kind of three three things. I know I stumbled over my words, but if I were to re-say that, it would just be sexual identity, gender identity. And then what we talked about last night was fleeing from sexual sexual sin. Mm-hmm. And so when you bring in gender identity, which is talking about, about what's happening inside, mm-hmm. and do I identify as, as male or female, right. or um, maybe neither one, um, that is a very different conversation than even sexual identity, which is... Um, am I? What am I attracted to? Mm-hmm. Am I attracted to male or female? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that those those are separate from 
the conversation last night, which was fleeing from sexual temptation. Yeah. And the reason we want to clarify that those are different conversations is one, we just didn't have time to, to dive into that last night mm-hmm. or even time to dive into that in this conversation. Yeah. But the, the themes and the things we talked about will be important to you, whether you've ascribed yourself to uh, what maybe the church's stance, the historical viewpoint mm-hmm. on sexual identity and gender identity would be that you can still, maybe you haven't ascribed yourself to those, but last night's conversation is not one that you should check out of. Right. Um, because it is a different conversation and it is a very important one. Maybe you can say that or articulate that better than I just did. I know I kind of fumbled through it. Yeah, no, I think um, uh, the root of that question is do you want what's what God's best is for you? And following God's instructions on sexuality overall, whether it's who you're attracted to, how you identify, all those different things, and a willingness to say, do I want to do I want to follow God's wisdom and go with the grain of how humanity was created it? Mm. Or do I want to try and redefine the rules? Mm. Do I want to redefine the instruction manual, so to mm. speak, and operate outside of that? And so last night, we talked in pretty general terms, mm. focused our conversation specifically on you know, things that are you know, sexual immorality versus mm. you know, keeping sex inside of a mar- covenant marriage between a man and a woman. Um, but it's, it is a nuanced conversation. It's a, a trickier conversation. Uh, and you need, you need time to actually address if you're talking about LGBTQ, if you're talking about um, all those different things, because this is wrapped up in your identity. Mm. And so it's, it's difficult to just mm. make a statement or you know, say mm. those things. It's something that's it's more of a conversation. And mm-hmm. it's real people, real lives. And hopefully you guys can have that conversation at some point. And, uh, I would, I would be praying for you guys that, mm-hmm. and you know we've addressed that at our youth at our youth group when I was still in youth ministry, and mm-hmm. have plans to at our church at some point. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, it's it's one of those things where you know Jesus wants to save all people. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't matter what background or even what currently that person is is their beliefs look like or or what they're practicing in their life mm-hmm. even. Uh, he wants to save all people and love all people and accept all people. At the same time, he wants to save us from the ways that, not just you know, from eternity, he wants to save us. He wants to save us in such a way that we can actually follow him in our lives. So, Yeah, and I would just say um, that we hope to have those conversations. I know that we've been having those. We've, we've been brainstorming what could future forms look like, and that was one of them that had been on our docket and before. But like you said, if, if maybe last night you're sitting in the conversation and you're feeling left out, like, man, I wish they would address this, um, just know that you don't have to wait for that conversation in a forum or on a Wednesday night right. to have that combo with your leader or even with me and, me and Nick or other leadership on staff. Um, that can be a combo if you felt like you need to have that, that you can begin those conversations with us now. We want to just open the lines of communication and the pathway to communication so that we can have those things. So um, I guess that that's kind of it for us. Uh, thanks for bearing with us as we do like kind of our first trial at this uh, offstage podcast. And we're not professionals, but uh, until next time, thanks for joining us, Josh. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me.